Sound test. Sound test. Sound test. Hey, everybody, it's Chris with another episode of Sound Test, where we explore various physical and neurological hearing issues. Today, I'm going to tell you a little story about my own recent challenges with intonation. Despite being born deaf in one ear, for my whole musical life, I've always had an easy time with intonation. I could sing in tune, I was good with harmonies, and I was quick to learn a part by ear. Starting around 2015, 2016, I noticed it was taking me longer to do this. I'd be given a recording or a list of songs, and for the first time in my musical life, I was having difficulty identifying the chords. It was like the bass part and the upper frequency instruments didn't seem to totally agree. If it was a cover tune, I would check YouTube videos that taught the bass line because I needed to see what notes were being played. And even then, the sound was somehow not quite right to me. What's worse is this was also revealing itself during live performance. The hearing loss and the tinnitus were one thing. I could still play around those issues, but things were starting to sound like cacophony. I kept thinking something or someone was out of tune. It was making me doubt what I was playing. And doubt is a characteristic you do not want in a bass player. There's no way around it. Everybody on stage is listening to the bass player for the chord changes. It's pretty much our main job to be the anchor. Guitar and keys, they can hold off on a beat if they're not sure of a chord, but bass can't do that. So something I truly loved doing, performing live, became something I dreaded. Instead of joy, playing music became a very stressful part of my life. And over that year or so, my participation in music eventually dropped to zero. I completely stopped playing live. I put my basses and guitars away and I didn't pick up an instrument for about four years until roughly 2020, when a couple things happened that sort of redirected me back to music. First, I was driving home from work and listening to a radio interview with piano player, songwriter John Baptiste. Fresh Air's Terry Gross was interviewing him and he was answering questions, playing piano from his home studio. As I was listening, I thought, Wow, that's pretty relaxed of John to be playing an out-of-tune piano on NPR. And in case you missed that, I actually thought that John Batiste, the, the multi-Grammy award winner, was playing a shitty piano on Terry Gross's world-renowned multi-award winning 40 years running interview show. I never claimed to be particularly bright, but to be fair, my ear was telling me that things were out of tune. So shortly after that experience, I discovered a book by neurologist writer Oliver Sacks called Musicophilia about different brain-related hearing issues. It described a case very similar to mine. A classical music composer was noticing that his piano sounded out of tune even though it wasn't. In particular, the upper register, and it was interfering with his ability to compose and to conduct. The case went on to talk about how this composer went about retraining himself in the way he heard the notes, and how although it wasn't perfect, he had managed to retune his hearing through practice and repetition. Now, upper register hearing loss was something that I had understood, and it kind of made sense to me. I had no idea that intonation issues could even happen. I didn't know it was a thing. And a book even had a name for it, Cochlear Amusia. So after several years of not playing any music and really missing it, I decided to get a digital piano. I intentionally chose a digital piano instead of going back to a stringed instrument because with digital, I would never have any doubt about intonation. And I gotta say, 
First time sitting down behind the piano was highly revealing to me. My brain did not want to accept what the piano was telling me. My brain was hearing low notes go south and the high notes go north. And by this I mean on the piano, the lower the note I played, the flatter it sounded, and the higher the note I played, the sharper it sounded. Musically speaking, when I played C2 on the piano and then played the same note three octaves up, C5, to my ear, that C5 sounded like a C sharp. As I continued, I noticed some keys on the piano were sort of worse than others. Other notes around C5 sounded a little more like an old out-of-tune piano, and pretty much any notes above F6 were just distractingly out-of-tune to me, like a bad toy piano. And this is all while I was playing a digital piano that used sounds modeled from a Steinway Mini Grand. So it's pretty shocking. I have to say that on an emotional level, the new understanding affected me deeply. The last few years of playing before I stopped had been more and more frustrating. I had been blaming myself for not working hard enough on the material, for not paying better attention, for singing out of tune, for not backing my fellow musicians in the way that I knew I could and had for decades. Along with just missing the act of playing music, I had been punishing myself with guilt. And now I come to discover that I really was hearing things out of tune, that what I was experiencing was a real documented medical neurological issue, and that there was even some hope for some improvement. As I continued to play, there was a process of understanding and self-forgiveness that was cathartic, and I admit I cried a few times in those first few hours sitting behind the piano. Over the next few days, something amazing started to happen. Some of the intonation issues, particularly in the lower frequencies, were starting to resolve themselves. I don't know how else to put it except to say that those lower notes just seemed to move back closer into tune. The difference over octaves was noticeably less than just those few days before when I first bought the piano. Of course, it wasn't the notes on the digital piano that changed, it was my brain. My brain began to reconcile the information it was receiving with the faulty information caused by my damaged hearing. My brain was creating a workaround for the faulty mechanics of my ear. What I've learned is that, similar to the composer in the book, through repeated playing and deeply listening to an instrument I trusted, I was able to reduce the intonation issues to the point where they were not just less of a distraction, but to the point where the notes actually sounded more in tune to me. I've been learning and practicing piano for the last few years, and at this point, the lower octaves are basically a non-issue. Some of the notes around C5 still sound a little less resonant, a little out of tune, and for some reason, the F6 still sounds noticeably sharper than the notes around it, and pretty much anything above that just moves slightly sharp. Interestingly enough, these things can change subtly from day to day and even over the course of my practice time. Like I said, it's manageable. Enough so that I'm back to playing and writing music. Enough that I can enjoy recording and mixing and editing my songs and podcasts. And I hope when I get a little more confident at playing piano, I can get back to performing music live with my friends. It was this journey and experience that led me to creating the Tinnitus Manifesto Project. The website, the podcast, and the soon-to-be-released book are all response 
to things I've learned from my own experience, that hearing is a delicate and complicated process. Hearing is fragile and it needs to be protected, but hearing is also malleable, it adjusts. And although there might not be definitive medical cures for hearing loss, for tinnitus, and for other hearing issues, there are tools and ways to manage and even improve the way you hear. So that's this episode of the podcast. Check out the website, the YouTubes, and the social medias. My name is Chris Clausen. Don't burn those cochlear hairs, y'all. Take care.